Now it's my joy and pleasure tonight to uh, welcome amongst us uh, members of the Lockhart family. Um, it's great to see them, um, but we're going to ask them to come now and minister to us in song. And they're going to sing two pieces at this time.
thank the family for making the very special effort to come all the way from Cloy and minister to us tonight. That was certainly tremendous. Let me ask you to turn tonight in your Bible to Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to read from the scriptures. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read the first 13 verses. And these verses really refer to what we call the parable of the ten virgins. Matthew chapter 25. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Reading, of course, from the authorized verse. Matthew 25, verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Amen. The new Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is taken from Matthew chapter 25, verses 11 through to 13. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. And I want us to think tonight of lessons from the parable of the ten virgins. You see, this parable forms part of Christ's response to three prophetical questions asked by his disciples in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. When shall these things be? Namely, the destruction of the temple. What shall be the sign of thy coming? And when shall the end of the world come? Now it appears that the disciples were particularly interested in matters prophetical. And what follows is an important discourse or sermon on the Mount of Olives that gives the answer to these particular concerns. With the parable of the ten virgins forming an integral part of the message of Christ on this occasion. Look at chapter 25, verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. 
Now, now the key to understanding this parable is the appreciation of the necessity of preparation to meet the heavenly bridegroom. This parable draws our attention to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the subsequent marriage supper of the Lamb. The the bridegroom here is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now the parable of the ten virgins was set in influence against the backcloth of Jewish culture of marriage. The parents arranged the wedding between the bride and the groom. Maybe we should start doing that today. They also would have paid the dowry. On an appointed day, after a period of engagement, the bridegroom would come for, to receive his bride. And as he would have approached the bride's house, a lamplit procession would have met him to meet the bride and then lead the couple to the wedding feast. And it was this latter part of the proceedings that gave the ten virgins the privileged opportunity to have a special part in these proceedings. These ten virgins would have known that they were responsible for providing lamps with sufficient oil to make sure that the bridegroom and his bride would be guided to the wedding feast. However, due to the bridegroom's delay, the ten virgins were overcome with tiredness. They all fell asleep. At midnight, the declaration was made that the bridegroom was on his way and the virgins were to go out to meet him. This in turn presented a big problem for five of the virgins. They had no oil for their lamps. It's not what the Bible says. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Their lamps would not light. They wouldn't work. They requested oil from their fellow virgins who directed them to go and buy oil for themselves. And tragically for them, the bridegroom arrived in their absence, leaving the wise virgins to lead the way to the marriage celebration. When the five foolish virgins had bought their oil and returned, they endeavored to take up where they had left off. But it was too late. The door was shut. They cried, Lord, Lord, open to us. A voice from within, from behind the door, spake. Verily I say unto you, I never knew you. One can only but begin to imagine the immense disappointment that it must have seized upon these five virgins with every fiber of their being. And from that experience of them standing outside the door, hearing this message, Verily I say unto you, I never knew you, having knocked, Lord, Lord, open unto us. We read these words, verse 13. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Now, I've been studying this week because um, Ryan McKee has asked me to prepare an article for Let the Bible Speak on this very parable. And there's four things that come to mind. And of course, an article is different from a sermon, so you're not getting the same material. I'm not giving you every detail of the parable tonight. Uh, I'm just giving you four little thoughts. I want you to think of the preparation that was missing. Think of these ten virgins. And I believe these virgins represent the visible church of professing believers today. 
10 in number speaks of total completeness. And I want you to think of those inside the visible church of Jesus Christ on earth. We're told five were wise. We're told five were foolish. Verse 2, and five of them were wise and five were foolish. That's how they were described. That's how they're designated in the Bible. Now, now why were five foolish? Look at verse 3. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Here's why they were foolish. Here's the preparation that was missing. The foolish had no oil for their lamps to light them. It's not that they were had oil and then run out. It's not like running out of fuel in your car or running out of ice cream and having to pop along to the shop or running out of milk and sugar and going to the neighbor and saying, here, can you give me a pint of milk and a bowl of sugar? These foolish virgins never had any oil for their lamps. They didn't think that the oil was necessary for their lamps. And do you know tonight that oil in the Bible is a symbol of the Spirit of God? See, the Bible tells us in Romans 8 verse 9, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. These five foolish virgins were not regenerated by the Spirit of God. That is, they were not born again. These five virgins knew about the heavenly bridegroom. They knew about his coming, but they didn't know him. And how many tonight within Christendom know about Christ? They even might know that he's the heavenly bridegroom. That's one of his titles. They might know about his birth and many aspects of his life. They may be familiar with the aspects of his death and resurrection, his ascension, his work of intercession, even his coming. They might even know about the doctrine of heaven, the doctrine of hell. They might know that God is the true and the living God, and besides him there is none other, that the Lord God omnipotence reigneth. They, They might even know that the Bible is the word of God. But while they have all that knowledge, they have never came to the place where they've been born again of the Holy Spirit and embraced and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I was telling the Sunday school this morning, that the Lord told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 3 and John 3 and verse 7. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye, ye must be born again. Nicodemus was religious. Nicodemus was respectable. Nicodemus was righteous in his own eyes. He was a ruler. He knew about Christ. He said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. But Nicodemus had never experienced a new birth. And that was why the Lord Jesus said to him in verse 7, Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. In order to enter the kingdom of heaven, he needed to uh, be born of the Spirit. He he couldn't understand the kingdom of heaven. He, He certainly couldn't enter the kingdom of heaven without the new birth. You think of the masses today that attend religious services, that pay lip service to religious things. We have to faithfully tell them that man-based, man-made religion cannot and will not save them. And there are thousands tonight who are religious, respectable, outwardly righteous people in their own eyes. But the reality is they're not regenerate. There's a singular preparation that's missing in their lives. And it's this. They're not born again by the Spirit of God. You see, only the Holy Spirit can regenerate a dead sinner and awaken him to sin and righteousness. 
Only the Holy Spirit can regenerate a darkened sinner to, to see his need. Only the Holy Spirit can regenerate a diseased sinner. Because he has no affections or love for God until he's born of the Spirit. See, only the Holy Spirit can enlighten the understanding of a man. Only the Holy Spirit can provide the grace so that a man can cry out, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I want to ask tonight, have you been born again of the Holy Spirit? Are you saved by the grace of God and washed in the precious blood of Christ that the Lockhart family have been singing about tonight? I think of many. Many are foolish in this regard because they've forgotten about the act and the necessity of the work of the Holy Spirit. And how many tonight reject Christ? I reject the free offer of the gospel and think to themselves, well, I don't need to be saved and, 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 and I don't want Christ in my life. Well, what awaits them? Surely nothing but the awful prospect of an eternal hell. A place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Remember, without being born again of the Spirit of God, you cannot see or understand the kingdom of God. And you certainly can't enter the kingdom of God. These five foolish virgins, because they had no oil, didn't enter the marriage supper. They weren't part and parcel of the marriage themselves. And without the new birth, you'll never see your sin. Or see your need of a saviour. Or see that you have an immortal soul. And without the new birth, you'll not have any connection to the cleansing blood of Christ. And you'll not have peace with God and forgiveness of sins. And you'll not have the assurance of heaven and home. That's the preparation that was missing in these five virgins. Notice something else. The presumption that was made. We'll come to verse 11. It says, afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. You see, these five foolish virgins were ensnared by the sin of presumption. They had imagined or fooled themselves into thinking that when the day came and the day that God gave was ended, that they would be in the presence of the heavenly bridegroom, that they would be with him. How wrong they were. Look at verse 10. And while they went to buy the bridegroom cream, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Who was to blame? They only had themselves to blame. They couldn't plead ignorance. Sorry, we didn't know about his coming. They couldn't protest to the other five, because the other five's priority was to honor the bridegroom and usher him to the marriage and, and the wedding feast. These five foolish ones definitely knew about his coming. They, they, they knew of the need to wait and watch for his sure return. And yet we read, and the door was shut. Did you know tonight that the Lord Jesus said, I will come again? And I believe tonight in the literal and the visible and the tangible and personal and bodily return of the Lord Jesus to this earth. The Bible tells me that his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives. It was the angels that said at his ascension to his disciples, the same Jesus which was taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. 
Acts chapter 1 verse 11. And I believe tonight that the second coming of Christ, the literal, visible, personal, bodily return of Christ, is something that's going to happen. It's sure and certain. And, and it, it, it's one of the great prophetic events that, that is, it, it, we're, we're waiting upon to, to come to pass. And, and his coming, therefore, is a, a comfort to us. Listen to what we read in the Word of God in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with the fact that you're going to be with the Lord. But it's also a challenge to us. You see, those who are redeemed, like the wise virgins, born again of the Holy Spirit, not only do they have the assurance that they're his, but the Bible tells us that, that every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. And, 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 and this call, behold, the bridegroom cometh, is, is really for us a, a call to holiness. And the Christian life is not only a happy life, but it's a holy life. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. It's also a call to hear. The Bible says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Behold, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. It, it, it mention was made, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Have you heard his voice? Are, are, are you ready? You, you see, behold, the bridegroom cometh was a call to heed. The, the five foolish virgins presumed that they were ready to meet the bridegroom. They were in the company of the other five. We are, we are known to the bridegroom. They, they knocked on the door. What did they call him? Lord? Lord? They called his name. They, they were acknowledging his deity, his eternal sonship. They made this personal request, Lord, Lord, open to us. Let us, and you see, they thought they, they were his friends. They thought they were friends of his, but they were not. They were not known to him. Look at what he said. I know you not. You see, thousands tonight profess to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Thousands tonight think they're saved. And they're in a relationship with him. They might even tell others. And they have all the appearance of being like these virgins were. You see, these virgins all would have behaved and dressed and, and speak the same. The, the virgin speaks of purity, moral uprightness. Ones who kept themselves clean. It speaks of fidelity. They were good, respectable individuals. But the appearance was so deceiving because they were aware that they lacked something. They said to these other five, give us of your oil. See, they, they became aware that they had none. They had lamps, but they had no oil. In other words, they had an outward semblance of purity and fidelity, but they were not born again. They were not regenerated by the Spirit of God. They, they were really graceless souls, and they had no real purity. They had no imputed righteousness of Christ. They, they had no peace with God. They had no real forgiveness of sins. They, they had no desire for Christ, no knowledge of him, no, no real love for him. They lacked something. What did they lack? They lacked an operation of the Spirit of God in their heart and life. 
Isn't it sad tonight that so many in our country profess to be backslidden? And I wonder, have the majority of them who profess to be backslidden really ever been truly born again of the Spirit of God? See, remember we read in James chapter 4, the devils believe and tremble. The devils believe there's a God. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The devils believe in heaven and hell. They believe in the principle called sin. But while they accept all these great truths, they are not born again of the Holy Spirit. And you know it's easy in a meeting to put your hand up, to pray a prayer, to maybe even shed a tear, to, to make an outward profession. And despite all that activity, Still have a lack in your life. And the lack is that you've not been born again of the Spirit. I've counseled many people who've told me that while they made a profession, that they had never no real possession of Christ. These virgins also appeared to long for something. They said, give us of your oil. Simon Magus, I believe, was a false professor. Acts 8, 13. The Bible says he himself believed. But his heart was not right in the sight of God. That's what Peter told him. He, he wanted to buy the Holy Spirit and use the power for, for, to be a great man in the eyes of others. There's a big difference tonight between a professor and a possessor. There's a story told of a man in Ballymena called Jasper McGowan. He's now dead and in the glory. This English man came to the town hall and was giving a lecture on something. Jasper McGowan had a habit of shouting out in the meeting, that's not right, that's not in the book. And this man, he was waxing eloquent and Jasper McGowan, true to form, shouted out, that's not right, that's not in the book, I've never read that, that's not true. And of course this professor from England was getting a bit fed up and he, he says, look, excuse me, in a very pausing, you know who I am, I'm professor so-and-so. And Jasper, he stood up and said, I don't care who you are, I'm Possessor McGowan, and I know what I'm talking about. You see, there's a difference. Professing something and, and possessing something. And they presumed they were okay. They presumed because they had the lamp, they would be okay. But they had no oil. The presumption that they made, they, they were all together. They all heard the cry, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. They all prepared to go out and meet him face to face. But these ones made a presumption. And the presumption was rooted in their pride. But there was a big difference between them. Remember, appearances can be deceiving. Very quickly, I want you to think of the prospect that is mentioned. Look at verse uh, 6 of the same chapter. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. As I've said, the Lord Jesus is coming back again. He himself said that uh, to his disciples to comfort them. And maybe you're here in trouble and you need comfort tonight. Listen to what Jesus said. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, listen to these words. I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Do you believe that tonight? Are you living in light of that? Are you ready for his return? When he returns, will you be admitted to the marriage feast? Do you long to see him? 
Do, do you live for him? You see, one day we will see him face to face. In fact, Revelation tells us in chapter 22, they shall see my face. And one day we'll be with him forever and ever. And one day we'll be like him. It was McShane and Dundee, a young preacher, he had inscribed in the window of his house, perhaps today, Lord. Think of that, perhaps today, Lord. He was thinking of those words, surely I come quickly. And, 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 and that was his mindset. Perhaps today, Lord. He expected the Lord to come. Now, now, we're living in a day of grace. Living in a day of gospel opportunity. And the Bible tells us, prepare to meet thy God. And we do that by repenting of our sin and receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. And he's not only Lord and Savior, he's the shepherd and bishop of our soul. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He, he, he's our best friend. Let me tell you something tonight. Listen to me very carefully. One day we will all meet him face to face. And there's not one individual in the planet that will escape that meeting. There'll be no absentees. And I will be there. And you will be there. The Bible tells us, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. You could refuse him. You can refuse to acknowledge his existence. You can say, well, I don't believe in him. You can say, I'm an atheist. Or, or I'm an agnostic. I don't believe in heaven or hell. I don't believe I need to be saved or need to repent of my sin. Or, or, or believe that I have an immortal soul that will live as long as God lives. I, I don't believe I, I need to receive Christ. But I want to tell you, you can refuse all that. Say, I, I protest, I'm not believing it. But here's a meeting you will never refuse. Because you will be there. You'll be drawn irresistibly to face Christ. Either at the judgment seat for believers or the great white throne judgment. The prospect that's mentioned. Behold, he cometh. Go you out to meet him. And I want to finish just with this thought. The principle that is mandatory. Look with me at verse 13. It says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. The Lord Jesus used this parable to tell them to watch, to wait. He reminded them, for you know not neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Only God knows that. And here's the Lord Jesus, and he's been tarrying. And this heavenly bridegroom tarried for some time until midnight, until the cry went up, Behold, he cometh. And what did all the virgins do, the wise and the foolish? They all slept. The Lord Jesus has been tarrying for about 2,000 years. And what states the church of Jesus Christ in tonight? Isn't it not asleep? Doesn't the Bible say, Awake thou that sleepest? There, there's things that are wrong. There, there's things that need to be put right. We, we, we need to be ready. Let, let, let's not be slack in our testimony and our witness for him. Let's not be slack in our affections. He's long-suffering, we know. 
He, he's given space for repentance. That's why he tarries. He's given gospel opportunity after gospel opportunity. And you have a responsibility to wait for his coming. You have a responsibility to watch. But you'll never watch nor wait until you're ready. And how long-suffering has he been? He's been long-suffering to many tonight without Christ. He's given you space again, the opportunity to hear the gospel. He's calling you to repent and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And for those who do, he, he, he says this, watch, therefore. Are you watchers tonight? Can you, like McShane, get up in the morning and be able to say, perhaps today, Lord, I met a man one time in Larne, and his name was the Reverend Paul Finch, and he told a story about his father. And he said his father got up every morning and pulled back the curtains of the bedroom and looked out and uh, said, um, even so come Lord Jesus. You see, the Lord Jesus, he heard him saying in Revelation 22, behold, I come quickly. And he had that thought in his mind, the Lord's coming. And he could come today, and he's pulling back the, the curtains and saying, Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And that old holiness preacher, he, he lived in light of the personal return of Christ. And as I've already said, you think of the comfort that that brings. But you also think of the challenge that brings. What manner of people ought we to be? Remember that John said, Everyone that hath this hope in him, this hope of his coming to receive them, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And the church is sleeping. There's areas where the free Presbyterian church is sleeping. And we need to recognize that. We need to repent of that. We need to realize where we are in a spiritual sense. Here's a principle that's mandatory. Watch therefore. May the Lord make all of us watchers as we wait for his coming.